What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to a special Wednesday night edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terman and Glenn Naughton. A uh, little bit of a scheduling change. Glenn has some weekend plans to do, so we're sneaking one in on Wednesday. There was a little bit of buzz, quarterback news related to the Jets, so we're here to just discuss it all. So, Glenn, how are we doing tonight? Uh, doing good, doing good, Dylan. Thanks. I'm glad we could do this on Wednesday. I got, uh, as I explained to you, everyone in my life has a birthday in January, February. And uh, we're heading down to London tomorrow night for a couple nights for my wife's birthday. And I thought, oh, let's see if we can knock the show out early. Uh, it's going to be tough if the Jets sign Derek Carr tomorrow because uh, I'm going to be uh, broadcasting live from the streets of London late at night because um, we're not not doing a show if if and when they add him. So, um, yeah, doing all right, man. And there's plenty. Look, the quarterback news is going to go until they add somebody. Um, and hopefully it gets resolved as quickly as possible because I'm I'm kind of over it already. Yeah, certainly over it as well from from my perspective. And I think now that you are going on vacation for a couple of days, news will break. So I think that could be a positive. Maybe yeah. we are coming to the to the end of this uh, search, which, according to Zach Rosenblatt of The Athletic, has reported on his podcast that it is now up to 19 names that the Jets are studying at the quarterback position. I would assume that is through all options, trade, free agency, maybe some draft targets in there, too, I hope. Um, but 19 names, we'll kick it off right with that. What what do you think about 19 names being reported uh, the Jets are studying? Listen, it's not surprising at all. I, I still can't believe, um, you know, I understand for the, the pro writers and stuff, like they got to get the clicks and all that and, and quarterbacks generate clicks. But I can't believe how many people I hear saying the Jets should go with a QB in round one. Um, because that shouldn't not, there shouldn't be one person saying that. Um I'm not saying it's it's tons of fans, but I've seen a surprising number of people who were like, oh, trade up and take a QB, take the best QB at 12. That is it is not happening. It is it, there is there's not a thing that is less likely to happen for the Jets this offseason than taking a quarterback at 12. I, I don't know how people don't understand that jobs are on the line. If they mm-hmm. don't do something meaningful this season, people are getting fired. They want to keep their jobs. They are not taking a quarterback in the first round. So I, you know, I had the thought a few weeks ago, you know, we've been talking about the, the, the big names, the obvious names, but I started to wonder about guys like Ryan Tannehill. I think I tweeted his name out a, a few days ago um, as an option and and saying that like it, be, because we've talked about it, right? We've said, what if the Jets go all in on Carr and Rod? What if Lamar resigns, mm-hmm. Rogers resigns or go somewhere else and Carr doesn't want to come to the Jets? Then what? It's a good question because the answer in most years you would say, well, I guess you got to draft one. They're not doing that this year. No, they they're doing what they need to be. If they're looking at 20 quarterbacks who are currently on rosters or set to be free agents, that's what they need to be doing because a rookie quarterback isn't coming here unless it's in the mid later rounds or, you know, yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe the jets trade down and add an additional one and take a fine. But if they're sitting at 12, they are not taking a quarterback. It isn't happening. They don't have the time for a project to develop a guy and anyone you're getting at 12, isn't going to walk in and win 12 games. Isn't going to walk in and win 10 games might not win eight games, like another five or six, seven win season. And at least some people are getting fired and they know this. So anyone thinking that, yeah, they're going to go with a QB. I saw the, so there was a mock the other day. Uh, was it Chad Forbes? Somebody had Anthony yeah, Richardson that, at 12, yeah. which was Cause honestly his next two picks were awesome. Um, oh, he, he had, he had, I, I didn't uh, look. he had like Richardson at one or in the first round. 
which was which was gross. And then he had uh, he had Henley in the second round, and I another player who I've been raving about all year in the third round. I was like, Jesus, if he would have gone Skaronsky or a tackle in round one, I would love right. this mock. But mm-hmm. they are not taking a quarterback. It's not happening. So yeah, they need to be looking at every single veteran in the league who they think they can ha- acquire one way or another, because it is possible that Aaron Rodgers comes out and says, I'm retiring, or you know what? I'm going to stay in Green Bay, or, you know, I want to go to Team X, and maybe Mm -hmm. the Packers, are they willing to work with him? That's the one interesting thing. Maybe the Mm -hmm. Packers aren't going to, you know, we'll see how that relationship is. But look, I I want Derek Carr. I've made that clear, but Derek Carr might want warmer weather. And so he might, the Jet, you know, I see people say, Joe Douglas, you know, and and I've said, if the Jets aren't the highest bidder, then that's a fail. But -hmm. if they're the highest bidder, and Derek Carr says, look, man, I want I want beaches and sunshine, like that's where I grew. That's where I spent my whole life in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a couple of years in Vegas, obviously. But if Carl wants to go to warm weather, like like not just a few months out of the year, warm weather, there is not a single thing the Jets can do about that. And if they lose out on him for that reason, that's fine. But you say say Baltimore, you know, franchise tags Lamar. There's a chance they'll miss on all the big guys, no matter how hard they try. Because you can't mm-hmm. force guys, you can't force the Packers to trade Aaron Rodgers to you. You can't force Derek Carr to sign with you. So you're yep. going to have to do what you can. So I'm glad they're looking at a bunch of guys because the guys at the top of the list are no lock. Yeah, and and circling back to the draft conversation, we've maintained on this podcast that that is not an option. Dating back to the no. early early like weeks of this podcast being started on YouTube and. It doesn't make any sense. You look at the the top None. four names that are being mocked. It's C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, in whatever order you want to put them. And, yeah, you sit at 13. You're not getting anything but the fourth best one. Maybe not, you know. So it doesn't right. make any sense to, to trade up to try to get one unless it's the best one and you're not getting all the way up to number one. And clearly after Jim Irsay's comments yesterday, um, they're doing whatever they can to get Bryce Young. So I could see them being the first overall pick. Um, But yeah, the Jets, it doesn't make any sense for them for a rookie standpoint. Now, if you want to talk about uh, day three or like early day three guy, round four or five, you know, like a Jake Hayner, like we've talked about. Sure, that's fine. I'm cool with that because he's not going to start. He's not probably going to play in 2023. He's going to just be a developmental guy behind the veteran that we need for 2023. So then you look at the veteran market, obviously. I know Tannehill has been the hot name floated around. The Jets are higher on him than we want to believe, us being the fans. And um, that's all well and good. I think the best way I've kind of wrapped it up to people on Twitter is just hope that whatever quarterback the Jets make the biggest push for, whether it's Rodgers, Lamar, Derek, Jimmy, whoever, just make sure that whoever they push the hardest for, they get. Because like you said, if they get outbid, For any of these guys, it is truly a fail because of how desperate they are, how good their roster is. You can look at this roster compared to any other team with a quarterback need, and it stacks up. Their roster, top to bottom offense, defense is a lot better than a lot of other teams that need a quarterback. But there's other factors. You said sunshine and beaches, dome teams, easier divisions. State taxes. State tax, exactly. That's a huge one, especially when you look at the Oakland, uh, the Vegas Raiders. Excuse me. So we've talked about that on the podcast as well. So just a lot of factors that it's not just like Madden, you know, like we're not in a video game. And it's just cut and dry. We're the only team looking. They're the only quarterback interested. It's not that easy. And it's going to take time. I think Ian Rappaport, uh, Adam Schefter, one of the two quoted it the, a weird way saying that Carr looked like he was going to take his time. 
Um, I don't know how long take his time means. I think yeah. he could play it out a little bit, you know, a couple weeks, take more visits with teams. He only visited with the Saints. The Jets did call about Derek Carr. They had a conversation with the Saints. It never came to fruition in terms of a visit, but that doesn't mean they're going to not try for him on the open market now. You just got to hope. Yeah, that all, they- all that means, you know, the Jets called, and as was reported, the, the Raiders, he was only going to visit teams that agreed on trade compensation. Yep. So the Jets may have called. So what do you want? The Raiders were asking for too much. They said, all right, we'll wait till he's a free agent. Bye. You know, exactly. And, uh, you and know, that's the just, smart thing to do for both the inquiring team and Derek Carr, because we've yeah. sat, we talked about that as well. Derek Carr's best option was to wait it out, see what teams offered, take the free agency route anyway, have the full control. Obviously, your no trade yeah. clause gives you control, but now you have full control. You can go seek more than 33 odd million dollars that you were expected to make. You could get 35, 36, 37 the way this quarterback market's going. So you just got to hope the Jets make the move for whoever they want, make the biggest push and get that guy. I know um, you, you're you obviously a car guy, so like more so than a Rodgers or a Jimmy G. I kind of lean Aaron Rodgers and maybe even Jimmy G over Derek Carr, but for different reasons. And I understand all the, the pros and cons, but it's going to be a long process. Derek, uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't even start his darkness retreat yet. So you got four days plus oh, however long he takes to make that. And I just wanted to ask, are you, do you have the ability to sit four days in the darkness, complete darkness. I, I don't know. I mean, that's that, that he's, I mean, listen, I don't care that he's a little weird. Cause if he wins a right. Super Bowl, I don't give a damn, right. but he's definitely, he's definitely a character um, stuff like that. I don't know. I've, I've heard good things. Like I've heard him on, uh, I've heard him on Rogan. I know they, they you know, they talk about like yes. sensory deprivation, which uh, that sounds pretty incredible. Like, you know, if I had the money for one of those things, I'd, I'd look into that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. shut everything, shut the world out for an hour or two. Like, great. But four days in the dark, I don't know what, you know, why four days? Why not three? Why not five? What's special about four? Right. Um, it's kind of a weird thing. But I think, um, I don't know, man. The Aaron Rod, like I said, he worries me. I could 100% see that guy going somewhere, playing one year and retiring. Yep. Um, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I like Carr. Carr, of all the candidates, is the most durable and of those who are durable, like he can give you six, seven, maybe eight years. Um, you're mm-hmm. not getting that with Rogers. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know that, that, that much time in the dark. I, I couldn't see it. No pun intended. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with a couple hours, but four days just seems, seems a little bit too much. He actually yeah. said on Pat McAfee's show yesterday that he spoke to somebody while learning about this process that went in for 30 days. And my initial thought was, how do you not have any responsibilities that you can just go somewhere for 30 days and yeah. the world doesn't matter? You know, so yeah, I feel like a solitary confinement or, anyway. A, yeah, a parent or a spouse would never be able to do something like this. So good for him being single, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of free, free spirited. Or having the, the money least, to so. pay someone to run his life for him while he's away for 30 days. Yeah, exactly. Like, how do you, with everything going on, you miss news for four days. I feel like you come back and you just have no idea. Well, that's like, that's probably a good thing, honestly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I miss Absolutely. news on purpose all the time. Yeah. Um, any other quarterbacks that you saw reported out there that that you wanted to touch upon? I know we talked about Ryan Tannehill a little bit. Obviously, Carr, Rogers, Lamar. The doors open still with Lamar Jackson. I know. Um, I think it was Jordan Schultz reported that. Uh, OCs um, that were uh, interviewing for Baltimore were not that, yeah. guaranteed the um, assurance that uh, Lamar Jackson would be the quarterback in 2023. I, mean, I think that's a yeah. I mean, huge... I guess I guess they kind of can't, you know. Like I right. said, just like the Jets can't force the Packers or you know the Jets can't force Carr to sign, Baltimore can't force uh, 
Lamar to sign a long-term deal. You know, they can tag right. him, but then what happens? He said, um, he, I believe he's already stated that he won't play on the tag. And that's been the assumption. I'm not sure, obviously, when the player eventually gets tagged and that money is, yeah. is real and sitting in front of them, it makes a big difference. I, and I, I think, sure, I, I, I think you lose a year, don't you? You lose a service year because you don't play. Like you have to play. Yeah, it least... would not count as an accrued yeah. season. So it wouldn't do him any good. Yeah. It'd be a lot yeah. of uh, financial repercussion as well if he did sit out. So big, you know, and it, obviously yeah, his but, market then changes. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that scares me, um, I've I've seen uh, Matthew Stafford's name thrown around. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, again, a guy mid-late 30s uh, who suffered his share of injuries last year. Um, same reason, you know, I, I just, I, I mean, Jimmy G's obviously a younger guy, but that's, I don't, I don't want guys who have missed big chunks of time Right. recently like if you show me a guy like oh this guy missed eight games four years ago like five like i want to look at the last two to three years like have you been on the field for the last two to three years and if you haven't i'm i'm sorry but i'm not paying 40 50 million for a guy who might give me nine or ten games and stafford i think is in that category now um and a lot of these guys are a lot of these guys have missed significant time and I don't. I just have this nightmare that they go and get a quarterback in week three. He's knocked out, and it's Mike White for four weeks before he gets knocked out, and then you're down to Zach or whoever the fourth quarterback is if you got another one on the roster. Yep. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much how it would play out with a lot of these um, injury prone. I guess we'll just label them quarterbacks. Jimmy G in that same bucket. I don't know if this is this might be hot takey, but you mentioned Matthew Stafford, and I know the Jets are doing their their homework on it. Basically, every single quarterback in the league. We'll just put it that way. Yep. I'd almost rather take Jared Goff than Matthew Stafford. Just recency bias and all the injuries that, stacked up on Stafford's side. I mean, it's a, it's a stopgap option, obviously. That's, but that, yeah, that's. I, it, I feel like I would lean that way. It's it's definitely recency bias, but I would have it too. Like I I've always for years I've said like Goff is just not good. Um, but now he just had probably his best year in, in the last four mm-hmm. or five seasons. So, you know, did the light come on? The, the problem is what you worry about is that, you know, was he just perfectly married with the right staff and the right system? And, you know, right. it worked out for him because he was he was pretty bad um, a couple of years ago. I think he, he had like Zach like numbers. I think he threw like eight TDs on the year or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, and I could be wrong about that. I'm just I'm vaguely recalling looking up his numbers in the offseason and being shocked at how few touchdowns he threw. So he's. um. But yeah, I mean, if I got to choose between those two, give me golf. Like he's bad. Oh, I hate that I even said that. But That's you know, yeah. if, if if it gets to that point, if we get to Jared, like I'd rather Baker Mayfield than golf, to be honest. Yes. Um. Yes. Even though I don't know what the hell to, to make of Baker in New York, how he would do in this market with his with his with his uh immaturity issues. Yeah, that's a, an, another path that hopefully that's option J. Yeah. Of, on the, all the, the letters of the alphabet, you'd hope that they'd get to J before they have to sign a Baker Mayfield. So let's let's hope that we could stay in the A, B, maybe C range for the options yeah. of the Jets, because outside of that, it, you're really banking on a lot of luck, a lot of questions being answered about quarterbacks and a lot of red flags. So it's, it's a tough one. Um, I think we should transition now. Uh, there was a hiring made in the Jets um, coaching staff. They hired Todd Downing, another Tennessee Titans coach. Um, he was the former offensive coordinator let go at the end of this season. He is now going to be the Jets run game coordinator, I believe, if I, if I remember correctly, run game coordinator. So now that makes three offensive hires. No, pass game coordinator. I'm I was, sorry. I was going to say, he's I think the, he's pass game. He's the pass game. Um, now you have Nathaniel Hackett, OC, Keith Carter, uh, offensive line and run game uh, coordinator. And now Todd Downing, pass game coordinator 
I, I put out a tweet. I said I'm not really thrilled with any of the hires. None of them really wow me, especially when you look down south at Carolina and the staff that they're kind of assembling under Frank Reich. It does make you like kind of play that hindsight of, whoa, should we let Salah go? No, I, I still think this was the best path. Don't wipe it all clean. But it, it's tough. You don't love any of the hires, but you don't want to really poo-poo any of the hires until we actually see what happens with the quarterback position, the entire roster coming together. Um, my, my initial thought, they're going to run the ball a lot more in 2023. I know they hired him to be a pass game coordinator, but that doesn't mean he's only going to look at pass plays and pass concepts. If you look at the Tennessee Titans history, I feel like everything flowed through Derrick Henry. Um, I know Titans fans weren't really happy with Todd Downing and his usage of Derrick Henry, but he still had like 14, 1500 yards last season. I feel like if you insert Brees Hall into that type of offense, it doesn't really matter how much you pass the ball because you're going to be focusing on the run game a lot. So those are my surface level opinions of the hires. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm a Todd Downing expert, um, but I just think a lot more running the ball. If Brees Hall is healthy, what were your initial thoughts of Todd Downing? Yeah, I actually, for that exact reason, I've kind of wondered, you know, I've been looking at some mocks or, or, you know, looking at uh, the PFN and and running some mocks. um, Mm -hmm. And and I'm thinking like, do they grab a quarterback? Oh, sorry. Running back um, a little bit early. Like, you know, initially you go into you go into the offseason, they go, oh, they won't take a back. You get Breeze coming back, uh, Michael Carter, you know, uh Robinson's gonna be under contract. But really, you know, who knows when Breeze is gonna be hundred percent. Michael mm-hmm. Carter didn't look great at the end of last year, although I still think he's a really good player. You know, O line was terrible. Um, but I'm looking at the running backs in this draft class, and I'm like, maybe you take one in the third or fourth round, you know, not not too early, but I think in the top hundred, I, I wouldn't rule out a running back for this team. I think I said quarterback again a second ago, but um, yeah, I, I, for that reason, I, I think that, and especially if they, you know, if they don't get one of these top quarterbacks, it's even more likely then that we see them lean lean really heavily on the run game, and um, and I wouldn't really have much of an issue with that if you if you get you know some of these backs we're about to talk about when we talk combine, because there are some good ones out there, and uh, and Brees, we know what he can do, and and you know we know what some of these other guys can do, and. Um, I, I think it's a I think it's a good point. Like I said, I, I had the same thought. I was like, I think with the way this they're building this staff, maybe time to consider, you know, do they do they want another stud running back in case, you know, in case another guy does get injured? Yeah, uh, I, I put out a tweet, I believe yesterday or the day before somebody posted about Super Bowl winning uh, running backs and how little they get paid. And I quote tweeted it and I said, I feel like we're at the point of the football life cycle, the evolution of football, where you are looking to draft a quarterback, a running back and a wide receiver in almost every single draft class. It doesn't mean, you know, your first pick or your top right. 50 pick right. or whatever. At some but point, at some point in those drafts, you have to get those two of those three positions in almost every single draft. So that's three of your picks. I feel like it's becoming so, so dominant that way. Obviously wide receivers are the, the talk of everything. They're becoming like that you next quarterback them, position. You got to take one every pay. year. Well, I'm sorry. You got to You got to take one every year. And I've, yeah, exactly. I've always been like, a, you know, find them in the late rounds. Cause you can, but just, just in the last four or five years with performance plus salary has made receiver. Like it's gotta be the top of your list every year. Um, yeah. You know, top, top three rounds. You got to take a receiver. I think like the average for the last three seasons of drafted wide receivers is like low thirties. So you're looking at, you know, you have to study 35, 40 different wide receivers almost every single year. And they're very different shapes and sizes. Um, we'll talk about them. Obviously, there's a lot that I like 
the smaller shiftier guys and you have the big tall six, four guys that still mm-hmm. run vertically fast down the field. And yeah, you have to get one every year. I'm not going to say running back. Yeah. Top 100. I agree with that. Not first two rounds, probably third round or the beginning of the fourth yeah, round. Run, run, running back. That. I'd be more willing to wait, especially if you're talking like, like for the jet situation, they're looking mm-hmm. for a, a second, third guy. Yeah. Um, so I could live with waiting till, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Um, yeah. because you, I mean, look, look, I left out Bam Knight, you know, undrafted free agent who played yeah. really well, you know? So, yep. you know, I mean, maybe, maybe they look at him and say, look, if the O-line gets their act together, we'll be fine with Bam. You know, maybe they don't take a back because what, you know, an important thing to look at, um, this year. And of course there could be, there can, and probably will be trades, but as of right now, like Joe Douglas has never had a draft with so few picks. He's got set it, the fewest picks he's ever made with seven. Yes. And that was because he, that's because he gave away picks to trade up and get Jermaine Johnson. Like right now he's sitting on six picks. And I guarantee he doesn't like that. And uh, I actually started, I was started an article earlier today, kind of looking at who are some of the not so obvious names that the Jets might look to deal around draft time because Joe Douglas is going to want to add some picks. Yeah, I can certainly see a scenario um, if they do figure out the quarterback position. Let's just hypothetically say it's Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr, one of the two. And they feel like they've done enough in free agency elsewhere at the offensive line position that they want to trade back out of 13 say uh, Anthony Richardson falls to 13 and they want to do, you know, a trade swap. They move back eight picks with somebody and they do recoup a a future one or something like along those lines. I feel like Joe Douglas will try to do whatever it can he can to acquire more picks, not just for the, this draft, but for next draft as well. And I guess we could just transition this right into the the draft talk here. Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted to lead with this before we got into the combine talk. And I think it's very interesting. The jets do pick at 13 overall because Todd McShay, I believe it was Todd McShay, came out and said he has 14 first-round grades on players as of right now. Obviously, things can change with the combine, but that sounds like an incredibly low number when you look at other years. I feel like the average is about 18 to 24 in that range of first-round picks. You're never going to get 32 first-round picks in the draft. That's just unheard of. But 14 is very interesting because that leaves very little room for error if the Jets do – even stay at 13 and take a pick. Now right. if they move back, they're really in a range of, they don't have first round talent unless they feel like their board is different, obviously. But I thought that was interesting. What are your thoughts about 14 first round grades? Well, I, I think it's, it's great. If even if the jets are in that ballpark, say the jets think it's 14, 15, whatever. Um, Joe Douglas has got to be feeling pretty good about himself after the draft class. He just pulled off. Um, yeah. And you know, a good GM is going to be able to find guys outside of that, but you want to be in a position where, a team that's a little bit more desperate. Maybe you get a team at 16, 17, 18, and they love a guy. Um, and, you know, some, you hear about how you see these big drop-offs, like, oh, the, the drop-off from the eighth-best player to the ninth-best player is huge and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you hoped you hope there's a team behind you um, that feels like they need to get into that top 13 or 14 to get the player they want, and then your GM is good enough to then – because, look, it's – you know, we could talk about there's only 13 of however many guys are graded as first rounders. There's obviously going to be a hell of a lot more than 13 good players come out of a class. Right. Exactly. So there's, there's going to be guys to be had all over the draft. It's a matter of, does your GM find them? Um, and, you know, Jets fans, you know, rightfully so are probably feeling a little bit cocky right now about how good the GM is um, because of what we've dealt with in the past. And, you know, this is sort of an all timer in terms of draft classes. Who knows if, if Hall would have stayed healthy, you know, they probably would have had two guys in the in the in the running for offensive rookie of the year. They got the defensive oh, yeah. rookie and the offensive. So right now you kind of feel like Joe Douglas bulletproof come draft time. Like, oh, just yeah, fine, trade down to 19 and he'll get somebody there. And he might. 
But yeah, you want to be in that range where where guys are looking to move up to, you know, to get into that top 12, 13, 14. And um, and hopefully that gives them an opportunity to move down and add picks because, you know, I said it to you when we talked about receivers, when I said, do the Jets consider a receiver in round one and then a tackle in round two? Because there are a few tackles who might be there. You know, we've talked about guys like Matthew Bergeron, um, yeah. who's who's, you know, uh, who I think is going to be a really good player. Uh, you got Wright out of Tennessee, who's another really good player. I think yep. he might sneak in around one. Yeah. Uh, but th- but there are some tackles. Like if the Jets feel like one of them might drop, then maybe there's not as much urgency to get one that early. Yeah, and uh, just to throw out another name, Dewan Jones from Ohio State. I yeah. I know people fans are scared of any very tall but athletic offensive tackle. I get it, but right. I've, I'm very high on him particularly, especially after watching him in the Senior Bowl. But I'm not getting that first-round lock buzz from him you know a consensus i feel like if he slips into the the second round i think i think it's like 43 or 44 the dolphins pick screws everything up because their pick counts in some mocks as the 21st and then the chargers are 22 or whoever's next but then some have it as like the chargers are 21 so it screws up the jets whatever the jets are in the second round 43 44 if he slips to that pick yes absolutely um it's tough i mean I don't know. Offensive tackle is one of those positions. Like you look at it right now, obviously the jets need one, but things can happen in the next four weeks. And all of a sudden offensive tackle isn't a need at all. Dwayne Brown has to retire or come back to the jets. I feel like if we get a steady, reliable quarterback, he'll most likely come back. I feel like he, he came back last year to the jets trying to, you know, make a run. He felt like our roster was ready to make a run. So if you just insert a better quarterback, Hopefully the money that Dwayne Brown's making is enough to bring him back. So you have that. Makai Becton obviously is a question mark injury-wise. Max Mitchell has to come back from injury. You could still maybe sign re-sign uh, Fant on a cheap deal because he didn't do too well for you. So like there's options that can just change everything. So Of course, yeah. I don't want to pigeonhole us into to picking an offensive tackle at 13, but it is intriguing. The latest mock draft, uh, I believe, uh, Todd McShay again, or Dane Brugger, one of the guys, the one of the main guys, drafted uh, mocked Broderick Jones to us at thirteen. He was I offensive think that, tackle. I think that was McShay. It was McShay, yeah. yeah. Offensive tackle three. Um, Peter Skaronski went in the top ten, and then Paris Johnson went like a pick or two before the Jets. So I don't know if you've done enough work on Broderick Jones, or what are your thoughts on Broderick Jones? Because I've watched him. I absolutely love Broderick Jones. Somebody, uh, Ben Fennell, um, he worked with uh, CBS currently, I believe. He comped him to DeBrickishaw Ferguson, and I said, okay, I don't need to hear any more. I've watched That's... this tape. I think he's a great mover in space. So Broderick Jones at 13, are you are you a fan, or are you not, not happy? Yeah, it's funny when I watched him. Uh, that was my first thought was the size. I was like, I was like, fans aren't gonna like that. Yeah. They're gonna another another huge tackle. Um, but uh, listen, um, I, I think that he's a guy who's worthy of being taken there. And we every single year we see a ton of offensive tackles go early um, in mm-hmm. the first round. We see teams trade up. That's why that's why I'm a little bit nervous about waiting till round two because you, you're gonna see a run on tackles at some point, and mm-hmm. guys who you think are gonna be there might end up going at 29, 30, you know, 33. Um, so I would have no problem taking him there. I think he's he's one of the tackles who are sort of, you know, deserving of, of being taken in that spot. Um, you know, looking at some of the the guys later on, you know, like Blake Freeland, the guy I didn't mention earlier. I don't know, you know, how high the Jets are on him, with, mm-hmm. but he's another guy that, that could be a second round option. But Jones, Jones at 13. I, I love Skaronsky. I feel like Skaronsky has the best all around game, but mm-hmm. um, I don't I. 
I've seen him mocked as late as 20. I just don't see that. I think he's he could be top 10. Um, yeah. I'd be if he made it to the Jets, I'd gladly take him. But as I said, I would not be one bit upset if we saw, you know, if we saw a receiver there. Like, watch. I I know you can't draft a guy based on one game, and obviously it wasn't one game. He had a monster season. But like, watch Tennessee, Alabama, and tell me you don't want Jalen Hyatt in that spot. Like, the guy is just yeah. he's a monster. He just eats mm-hmm. up yards. The guy had a million touchdowns in you know the toughest division in college football. I would have zero issue with with Hyatt with Addison, who we've talked about. Um, you know, Josh Downs, that might be earlier than some people. I'm probably, I guess I'm biased there because I've liked him for so long. I wouldn't mind him. Sure. I, I mean, that probably, that is early for him, but you know, add any of those guys to Garrett Wilson and just, you know, give the quarterback a, a dynamic, literally, you know, a, a, a dynamic duo of receivers that can make a ton of plays and then get a tackle later. And as you said, you know, Fant, I love the idea of retaining him because um, you're probably going to get him on the cheap now. Mm-hmm. And I think we know he's, he's a starter level player. Uh, just happened to get dinged up this year with him as a backup and a, a rookie second rounder as your starter. Um, I, I, I would happily do that. Yeah, I agree. And, and circling back to the wide receiver at 13, I'm all on board with uh, a handful of wide receivers. I don't know if I'm fully there on Jalen Hyatt. I'm literally in the middle of watching Jalen Hyatt, but I do have some funny watch, stats here. Watch that and game, you, man, that Alabama. You know, his five game. touchdown game. It's literally the next one on my list. And I think I have Kentucky. Just like the separation is like, mm-hmm. this, it's just, it's unbelievable. The way that they, I don't know, the whoever their offensive play caller is or their, you know, whoever designs their plays does so well getting both him and Cedric Tillman in space. I just, I don't, it's wild. So with Jalen Hyatt specifically, 2021, he played 321 snaps. So not a ton of snaps. He's probably a rotational type player. 96.8% in the slot. Um, 2022, 733 snaps, 85% in the slot. So that's why I can't get there at 13 because I feel like he's only a slot guy. I'm not sure what he can do on the boundary. I feel like um, in the games that I've watched, I watched Georgia and Kentucky. He had a ton Mm -hmm. of free releases. Nobody was jamming him in the slot at the line of scrimmage. Chris Smith did a couple times uh, against Georgia and he did okay. Uh, But that would be my only concern, my only pushback. But yeah, Jordan Addison, Smith and Jigba, um, I'm not high on Quentin Johnston, but I could understand it if they got rid of a Corey Davis. Denzel Mims doesn't seem like he's for long on the roster. So you're going to need a, t- a tall guy. I'm not in love with him. I think he's got a lot of question marks. But if they went in that direction, are they okay? But, yeah, I can see wide receiver at 13. You, yeah, you made I, a John, face John, at Quentin Johnston. John, you, you didn't look very happy. Well, not it's not me. I'm, I was going to ask, you know, are you – he's all of a sudden he's gone from wide receiver one to, like, everyone's got him dropping out of the first round. Yep. So he's yep. one of the, I, I say it every year, man, that, you know, whether it's coaches, players, like when guys aren't where you expect them to be, I'm like, is, and I'm, and I say it all the time. I'm not saying there is, but my first, my first thought is always what's going on behind the scenes. Why is this yep. guy who was damn near universally wide receiver one before the season and for much of the season. And now he's like, everybody's wide receiver seven or eight. It's not like mm-hmm. he had a bad year, you know. I mean, he had some. He made some great plays this season. Um, I, I don't know what it is. And now every time I hear his name, I'm like, "What's going on there? Why is he from wide receiver one to wide receiver eight in a matter of a couple of months?" Um, it's. It, it just makes you wonder: Are people hearing things behind the scenes that they're like, "Okay, I'm going to take that piece of information. I'm not going to share it, but I'm going to take it into account when I do my mocks." And right. this guy's not. This guy's not going middle round one anymore. He's now going, you know, early middle round two. 
yeah, I think we're seeing the transition of mock drafts becoming more predictive into more informative based decisions. And it's not necessarily the team that's going to draft him, but all it takes is, you know, you hear one or two teams is interested in player X. All of a sudden he shoots back up into the first round. We're back to McShay's mock. He actually had Quentin Johnston going to Houston's second pick at 12. So I thought that was very interesting. He's finally getting back into that first round category. But when I watched him, no, I, I didn't think he was a first round player, maybe a trade back and, you know, get in the back end of first round player. Um, I, I just, I thought he played like a power forward in basketball. A lot of, you know, just turn around, face the quarterback, catch right. the ball, do a little hip fake and turn the other way. Good, good yak. I mean, he's not like, you know, great in and out of breaks, which is what I love as a wide receiver. I love right. the, the guys that can just get low and, you know, dip back out, but he's tough. He fights for the ball. He's going to, he's going to battle for the ball yeah. and traffic. His, his contested catches are, are fun to watch on tape. I, he, he had two uh, acrobatic one-handed catches. Both were actually in the end zone. He didn't get a foot in and you know, whatever the guy pushed him out of bounds, but he caught the ball one-handed and just like full sprawl OBJ style. So it was right. cool to see the athleticism. I think he could have a monster combine really get back into that first round category. I'm a little nervous about him. I heard you mention Josh Downs. Um, I watched him a little bit. I, I don't know. I had this weird, I like everything he does on tape as a football player, but there were so many times and I forget what jets game it was, but the, the classic Dwayne Brown throwing his hands up game. I don't know. It might just been the game that I watched of Josh Downs, but he was so mad at Drake May. Every really? single pass was low. He was throwing <laughs> his hands up. And I, I just wrote it down for the first yeah, game. I watched, four, I watched four games of him and he didn't do it again. But I just thought that was interesting. I was like, I mean, yeah, the pass was a little low there. Like, whatever. You weren't the first right. read here. But I just thought it was interesting. But everything as a football player loved it. I could totally see him probably in the second round. I don't know if I'd go 13, but a, another trade back end, uh, back end I'd, first I'd, round. I'd be, I'd be surprised if he makes it out of the first round. But it, it, listen, listen, there's mm -hmm. going to be guys who you think will go round one who won't, right? Like, you know, exactly. you watch – you watch, and like you said, recency bias plays a huge role in it. There's guys that, you know, I'll, I'll pick a player that I want to watch and I'll watch three or four games in a row. And, uh, you know, just from constantly watching that one player, you're like, oh, man, this dude's like maybe he's around one talent. You talk yourself um, into but, it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. From watching a guy make plays, and you have to remind yourself that there are other players out there that you're going to be watching who are going to impress you just as much and sometimes more. Yeah, sometimes it's too much exposure to a player could be a bad thing, and obviously not enough exposure to a player yes. is definitely a bad thing. I think you got to try to find that even balance. For me personally, I just try to watch three games, take solid notes on those three games. Obviously, these aren't you know all 22 cut-ups that are getting sent to me. You That's know, the thing. That's what makes it tough. It's so tough. Wide receivers, corners, safeties, everything. Yeah. It's just so, if, if it's not an offensive or defensive lineman, maybe a linebacker right. that plays right. in the linebacker. box a lot. Exactly. It's so tough to to see anything really. So we're just kind of speculating and everything. But yeah, it's just it's tough. I I don't think I'm gonna end up with anywhere near you know twenty something first round grades on guys, and that's just my stupid little dopey grading system that. I have, you know, maybe 15 right now. I don't think it's going to get too much higher than that. And I also don't value quarterbacks. Like, I, they're very low. Not, like, low, but I only have Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud as a first-round guy. So that factors into other people's, the experts' equations who have four or five quarterbacks as a first-round grade. So I don't see it as a strong draft class, but I could see a trade back. I'd prefer a trade up in certain situations, I think, from, from Joe Douglas. I think – the roster's at a point where if you add a couple pieces in free agency and you plug a couple holes, you're only three, four, 
five draft picks needed to be a complete team. Isn't I don't think we're in the in the realm of needing ten draft picks anymore. I would like to have more than six going into the draft, but I think Joe Douglas could actually make it work if you just plug a couple holes. Um, obviously, we can talk about a different position, but last offensive tackle I want to bring up before we move into like second, third, fourth round guys. Wanya Morris from Oklahoma, the offensive tackle. He was down in Mobile. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to be a left or right only type of player. He played a little bit of both. I liked him a lot. He was a good mover. I have him. They listed him at 6'4", almost 6'5", 317, 85 and three quarter inch wingspan. And I think that is a really good number. Obviously, 35 and three eighths arms is well above the threshold for offensive tackles. The the chalky number is 33-inch arms for offensive tackles and 35 and 3 aces as well above that. So Wanya Morris was another guy. I mean, maybe a second-round guy, maybe a third-round guy, but another offensive tackle I wanted to throw in the mix there. You mentioned it, Dayon Henley. Um, I want to talk about him and some of the linebackers um, going into the combine, kind of jumping back offense-defense here. Um, I did think it was weird when the list came out did you notice that there was like a lot of edge players with the linebackers and kind of vice versa, like smaller edge guys in the D line group? It made it very confusing. Like Will Anderson was listed with the linebackers. So it totally threw off my spreadsheet. I had to move them all around. I think they'll eventually change it and have him go with the defensive lineman like he should. That's but the thing. You get, all, you get all these tweeners, you know, and it makes it tough to, to say where a guy's going to play. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the first guy on my list, I'm looking at it alphabetically, is a guy that we've talked about numerous times on this podcast, both you and I and on Twitter, actually, Yasir Abdullah. I'm really excited to see what he does. I haven't gotten any exposure. He was at the Shrine Bowl. I've watched, obviously, a couple of his games from this year. He's listed at 6'1", 234, so I feel like that's kind of the smaller end of the spectrum for a linebacker. But I know that that you have a couple clips of him. What were your thoughts on on Yasir Abdullah specifically? Um, can do can can play the pass, play the run. Um, good to get to the quarterback, and uh, here he is playing the pass against uh, against Pitt. Makes a big play here for the interception. Gets oh, yeah. in front of the receiver. He was actually um, and, and I got a I forget the uh, I don't remember the fan's name because it was a while back. I got to thank a uh, a Louisville fan because I I mentioned him. I forget. I may have been FSU that I watched him against initially who, mm-hmm. when he really jumped out and the guy told me, he said, if you really want to see him play, watch the pit game. And I'll tell you what, man, that's, it's one of the best individual performances you'll ever see, especially in the second half. He was just, he was unbelievable in that pit game. You, you can make him a, a draft highlight reel just in that game. Um, mm-hmm. All over, you see him there, you know, getting through the, the, the interior of the offensive line for the run stuff there. He was getting to the quarterback. He may have had two picks in that game. I know that was one, but uh that I had a second ago, but he just a guy who can do a little bit of everything and he can do a lot of things really well. He's, you know, there's a few guys, you know, you watch enough of these players and you start asking like, why the hell is this guy not getting more love? Like, why is this guy not at the senior bowl? Stuff like mm-hmm. that. Here he is uh, in coverage. He drops back, reads the quarterback's eyes, jumps up, bats the pass down, forcing incompletion. Just a really nice job here. Um, oh yeah. Again, he, he does so many things. Well, he affects the games in a lot of ways. Um, I, I'd love him to be a jet. And he's, again, he's one of those guys I watch and I say, I don't, I can't see him being there like in the later rounds, but I'm not hearing anyone talk about him. Yeah. I feel like linebacker for me, is so tough to pinpoint where I think they're going to go in the draft because it's all flavor based kind of like wide receiver again, like 
is he going to be a scheme fit? Are you going to move him inside? Or are you going to put him outside? Like there's so many different things you could do with linebackers. And I feel like for Yasir Abdullah and like the range of linebackers that he's like in that group of, I feel like the Jets could totally make these guys work. Uh, you yeah. mentioned him, Dayon Henley. He's another guy, a little smaller, six foot, seven eighths, 230 pounds. So just a slight bit smaller than Abdullah, but just movers, sideline to sideline guys, big hitters when they tackle. They can play the run in the pass. I mean, Dayon Henley absolutely destroyed everybody in Mobile. Uh, I'm looking right underneath Henley. I see uh, Nick, not Nate, Nick Herbig. Let me get that right. Have you heard uh, me talk about listed. him? You, you've talked about him a couple times. I've, I've, uh, I've liked him. I've, I saw him last year before I realized he was, uh, you know, that, that uh, he was Nate's brother. And mm-hmm. man, again, another guy just plays in coverage, plays against the quarterback. You see him use power. You see him use a little bit of speed. He's just a uh, monster game against Iowa this year. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking through now. I've actually got look, this, is, this, this right here. This is his third sack of the game against Iowa that I just put up. And yeah, Herbig, there's a lot of guys I love. This one's actually got audio. Oh, wow. Yep. That's his, that's his third sack of the day. Yeah. So really in the nice second job. quarter is his third sack of the game. Yeah. Yeah. He actually, it was, I think he had a sack in the, now that I think about it, I think I actually mentioned him on our pod and then he, uh, and then he kind of blew up and it was that week that he had, um, he had a couple sacks really early on. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to find, um, he's, he's a big hitter over the middle. You know, you see a little bit of this. I'm putting this one up here right now and then we'll show a, uh, there you go. Takes the receiver, takes the ball right out, you know, dislodges the, the ball from the receiver and I'm trying to find um, something I had on him in coverage. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. Sack, 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 <laughs> sack, sack. Let's see. I think uh, yeah. when you when you know that he's Nate's um, younger brother, I think that just adds to all the hype. I mean, I understand everybody's kind of weird about Quincy Williams. Should we pay him? Should we not? Should we pay him to keep Quinnen happy? And obviously right. it wouldn't get to that point with Nate and Nick Herbig. But I just right. think – when you could have brothers on the team, I, I just feel like the chemistry is going to be a one, you know, even if they're on special teams together or something like yeah. they're going to do something funny or something crazy. And it's always a good time is what's this last clip. Is this another, Nick uh, this is, this is her big, I believe in zone coverage, uh, okay. breaking up a pass against, uh, Ohio state. Oh yeah. Good line. It drops back. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. It, it ta- to me, he, he looks like a much, he looks like taller than I thought he was a safety when I first saw him mm-hmm. um, last year. Um, I think there's I, a, I believe this is from his school website. This is where I got the information from. He's listed right now at six two two twenty seven. So looks, I mean, if if the other the guys arm, that we just talked just, about are six one six foot, I feel like he's a little bit taller than six two, like maybe closer to six three. Yeah, because um, that that length was definitely on display right there. That's what uh, I mean. There's That's... one more uh, linebacker I wanted to talk about. It's actually a new name. Uh, senior bowl guy though so not like completely new Tulane. i know everybody's talking about tajay spears the running back but dorian williams the linebacker um i don't think he's like a true mike guy but i feel like he could you know come in as like a sam or a will and become a mike later on and take over that cj mosley role um but again very small these guys are so small and it's so tough to tell but like what i saw from him in the drills and like the competitive periods i felt like he was a good communicator which i think a linebacker has to be like a one. You have to be a good communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, six, six foot, three quarter inches two twenty eight. So he's got to bulk up a little bit. 
you know, I think CJ Mosley dropped down to 237. So that's kind of the range that I'm looking at for linebackers, 235 to 245. You know, I'll look in that range. But I think Dorian Williams is another guy to keep on the radar. Probably, again, like I said, outside backer to replace Quincy, but could transition over in the middle. Um, there's another middle linebacker that you liked uh, and talked about, Servassier Dennis. He's another yeah. linebacker on my on my list that I'm keeping an eye on. Um, any other linebackers? Uh, I'm going to kind of skip around again, but we could jump to like secondary and stuff after this. No, that that's fine. Um, you know, I, I love the linebackers in this class. I tend to, I, I think I gravitate towards linebackers. Cause like as a kid, Mo Lewis was my, was one of my first favorite players, mm-hmm. you know, and then, uh, and you know, Marvin Jones, Mo Lewis was sort of the core of that defense. I loved, you know, Chad Cascadden, who was like the, the great story, the undrafted guy who came in and made plays in big spots. So I've always been a linebacker guy. But um, uh, I'll, I'll throw a few names out there. Guys that I've mentioned during the year, um, Jeremy Banks from Tennessee, um, mm-hmm. love his game. I uh, feel like he can play coverage and the run. Jack Campbell, I thought this year against the pass, looked a lot mm-hmm. better than he did the previous season. Um, I would gladly take Jack Campbell. He's going to go early. You mentioned Servassier, Dennis, um, Diane Henley, we talked about, Herbig, we've talked about. Um, anybody else on this list? Let's see. Uh, Ventrell Miller, I didn't see a ton of him. I- but what I saw, I really liked. We talked about mm-hmm. Isaiah Moore. He's a guy who was a little bit who got missed a lot of the previous year, but this this season he got back on track. I think there was some, you know, before his injury a couple of years ago, they were talking about him as a future first rounder, which obviously didn't happen. We've talked about Demarvion Overshone from Texas, converted yep. safety who can cover. I've talked a fair bit about Ivan Pace. Discussed him on uh, with Scott Mason the other day. I've tweeted him out a couple of times during the year. Just mm-hmm. watching him, you just think, God, that guy's really not big enough. And then you see him in the senior bowl taking on much bigger guys and shedding mm-hmm. guys and making tackles. And yep. like, all right, maybe he he's is compact too. Yeah. Um he's I, five I like... ten and five ten and sorry to cut you off. He's five ten and five. a quarter, two thirty-one. So yeah, you you could definitely tell that he's a smaller linebacker, but no, it doesn't he does not play like it, not at all. Yeah, and uh and Drew Sanders is a guy who I think I honestly think he'll be oh, gone yeah. by the Good time one. the Jets make their second pick. So he's kind of a uh, a moot point. Lonnie Phelps. I haven't seen a lot. Of, I've watched a. I watched a fair mm-hmm. bit of Kansas because they had some guys I really liked. Didn't take a lot of notes on Phelps, but he played great in the Senior Bowl. So I'm going to double back and look at him again. I forget which wide receiver I was watching, but Lonnie Phelps popped off with a, a sack or two sacks right back to back in the one right. game that I watched of the team playing Kansas. So yeah, uh, Phelps was somebody. I think he was a late addition to the Senior Bowl, one I of like so, the very yeah. last invites. So yep. he he did pretty well actually. He had a couple good speed rushes against some some stiffer offensive tackles and and really exposed some of those offensive tackles with his speed and bend. Um, I did want to uh, mention real quick before we move on Noah Sewell. There are a lot of conflicted opinions about Noah Sewell. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm trying to find his measurements. They have him at 6'2", 260. That's his school um, height and weight. I don't right. know if that's accurate at all, but I know that he is a heavier linebacker, and a lot of people question his lateral mobility, his ability to go sideline to sideline in space. I think he's a good hitter. Um, did you have any thoughts? I haven't watched him enough to speak like intelligently about Noah Sewell, but I just know that he's getting a lot of conflicting scouting yeah. reports that's I'm, I'm actually in the same boat I, you know we've talked in the past about some schools for whatever reason a lot of their games aren't available and Oregon's one of yeah. them like I have a hard time so finding weird. I find a lot of condensed games which are you know mm-hmm. those are okay for like an emergency if you want to get a look at a guy but like a guy who's uh, uh who people are talking about as a first or second round guy I'd love to watch full games every snap um and I've been having a hard time finding that with Noah Sewell what I have watched he's looked good but I honestly haven't watched enough to say, you know, with any with any conviction 
you know, one way or another how I feel about him. But I've heard that too. I've heard people say he's way overrated and I've heard people say he's a first round talent. Yeah, I'm excited to see exactly how he plays out specifically because linebacker is a need for the Jets, whether they re-sign Quincy or not. I feel like they could take two linebackers, honestly. Yeah, I've said it on this podcast that if I was to re-sign one of the linebackers, I personally would probably re-sign Quan. I know his market is probably a little inflated uh, after last season. We got him on a very cheap, like one point something mil deal. So that's obviously out out the window with him, but. I think when you look at the reported cost for Quincy at like seven to eight million, I feel like that's really high. Now you're looking at almost 28, 29 million on the cap for the two linebackers that you have in CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams. So maybe Quan Alexander comes back for like three or four. And I feel like that's a discount, but you still have to draft at least one, probably two at this point depending on how that works out. And, and, um, and depending too, honestly, how they feel about Sherwood. Um, you know, he did get a little true. bit of run last year. Yeah. I, I thought, you know, granted it was only preseason, but I thought he looked like a much better player um, in the preseason year two than he did in year one. So if they think he's going to take another step, I think the Hamza Nasruddin uh, project is over. You know, the yeah. guy, I get he was a day three pick, but that's two years in a row he couldn't find. That. And that's, again, as we've talked about in the past, that guy was handed a starting job and was benched like what halfway through week two or three and didn't get on the field again and then couldn't get on the field last year. So I think, uh, I mean, is he a core special teamer for the future? Maybe, but Mm -hmm. I don't think he's viewed as a guy. And that's disappointing. I I really thought, you know, he was going to make that conversion. Well, Um, I thought he was a guy who could challenge for a starting job. And then when he, when he got it right out of camp, I was like, Oh great. You know, they found a guy. Um, But they, you know, from what we've seen, the way they've worked with him, I, I think that's over. But sure, would they may still be some hope for? Yeah, I obviously I don't have that eye to look at a player at a safety position and say, oh, at the next level, he's going to yeah. be a linebacker. And I didn't get that vibe at all with Hamsun Nasrul Dean. I actually liked him as a safety. I thought he was pretty yeah. good. So when he made the conversion, I was a little, you know, less enthusiastic about the pick, but I still felt really good about it. Obviously, it's turned out to be like a, a net zero. Maybe if he is a good core special teams player, that's fine, um, which it does seem like their special teams coordinator is signing elsewhere. I don't know if you saw that tweet. Yeah, I believe it was the Cardinals yeah. are expected to hire Brent Boyer, which I thought came out of nowhere. Um, nobody expected that. Obviously, there was a huge... And especially since they didn't teams. have a head coach yet. That was weird. Right, exactly. And special teams did take a huge dip, but I don't think it's necessarily Brent Boyer's fault that Braden man can't kick and Braxton Berrios lets punts bounce inside the 10 yard line. That was so, one of the weirdest things when guys just like, it's like he forgot how to play football. I always say, yeah. I'm always like, I'm always like, what are you stupid? A guy doesn't just forget how to play football. And you're like, Oh, maybe they do. Like, yeah, exactly. And I feel like Berrios. of all the things that have happened in this team, special teams history, since Brent Boyer has been here, this is not the one to say, okay, let's move on from this guy now. So you have to upgrade special teams. I think Hamza could stick around special teams, but yeah, Sherwood, I'm super excited. Uh, Mosley only missed like 20 snaps all season. So you got limited action in uh, Sherwood, but he made a bunch of tackles for the limited snaps that he was on. I believe one game he had four snaps, three tackles. So they clearly were going to him and he was answering uh, the call every time he was making the tackle at the very least. So I feel like he could be somebody yet yeah, to, to develop into that next Mike linebacker behind CJ Mosley for sure. Um, mo- moving on from linebacker, we can jump into the secondary guys. Um, the combine listed them all as DBs. And that really made me mad because I just sit yeah. there and 
decipher which one's a corner, which one's a safety. Right. Um, we can start with cornerback. I know the Jets don't necessarily need one, but there are a ton of cornerbacks that I love in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, first, I'll start the, the biggest name, I think. Uh, where is it here? Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. Like you said, Oregon is a tough school to find all the games yeah. for, so it's really hard. Yeah. And again, corner being in the, that one of those positions. I'm really excited to see where he goes. I feel like Philly at 10 could be a really good spot. And I don't want the Jets to rule out cornerback at 13. I know it sounds stupid as no, hell because I can't. I, it, exactly. And I understand I that. Can't. But like when Listen, you, like I said, if you go. Go no go. I'm 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 creating scenarios in my mind how you can justify taking Joey Porter at 13. Like I love that. Dude. Hey, yeah. And yeah I'm like, sign him I'm up. like, yep. I'm like, okay, I'm like, uh DJ Reed only makes 10 million a year. He could be a good trade chip. You move him, you get a second rounder for him, you take Joey Porter at 13 and you have an extra second round. Like I want Porter, but it's not they're not taking a corner. I don't I don't think corner is going to be what they do at all. But if you get into that situation when you're staring at some really good corners at 13, Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter, um there's a couple other names that I'm I'm blanking on right this second. I think it has to be a question. You can't have enough depth at corner. Um, even if you have a little bit of a boundary slot versatility, you can play a little bit of both. I know they love Michael Carter. I love Michael Carter. I think if you have four really strong corners, like they did with Brandon Eccles, you're going to get a lot more dime packages. When Brandon Eccles got hurt, they stopped playing dime. They did not want Bryce Hall on the field. We saw five snaps of Bryce Hall. They all came in week one. He let up a 25-yard touchdown to Rashad Bateman or the other guy. I forget his name. Yeah, I forget who it was. And it was unfortunate, and it didn't look good. Um, again, I think you'd have to plug a lot of other holes not round, in the boat. But not round one. It, they'll take a corner. I think they'll yes. take a corner, but it, it right. happened in round one. We can I, get and I want the, Joey Porter. but We can get into the second-round conversation with corner. I think that's probably where it starts at 43. Um, there are some names that are sliding out of the first round that I find interesting. Uh, Akili Ringo from Georgia. Uh, he's kind of being mocked all over the place. He was another, you know, preseason top 10 guy, um, kind of fell off a little bit. He got beat in a couple games, got exposed, but even some were saying move to safety. I think Kiwi Ringo could be a good pick. Uh, there's another Clark Phillips from Utah, a shorter guy, 5'10, 184. So you're probably looking at more slot than boundary with him. I think Clark Phillips has what you need. If you're going later in the rounds, I would say Caillou Blue Kelly from Stanford in yeah. the third, fourth, fifth round. He's a great player. Uh, he was a senior bowl guy, 6'1", 193. Uh, I think he could play zone or man. I feel like the Jets, since drafting Sauce Gardner and signing DJ Reed, have transitioned well into more man than zone in certain situations. Uh, they're no longer this just cover three but to the sidelines, drop back, and play four underneath type of defense anymore. They've They've kind of changed a little bit, and for the better. I think Sauce Gardner belongs in man coverage in a lot of situations. So Caillou Blue Kelly is one that can give you a little bit of both. And then the last name that I want to talk about, I think I talked about him last week or the week before for Mobile, Makai Blackman. I have not watched any of his games in full to study him with notes, but what I've gathered from the senior bowl with this guy is he's sticky in coverage. Um, my tweet went viral of him locking down Jaden Reed on the one snap in the um, end zone one-on-ones. Even Caleb Williams quote tweeted it and was like, that's not rare. Like that's what happens with six. And uh, I was like, okay, well, Makai Blackman is on my list. So like you said, it's probably not a first round position, but uh, 
it's it's going to be a third, fourth, fifth round discussion for me, absolutely. And a lot of these guys fit the bill. Um, I just see your message in there. Do you have any any names at the secondary position? You can go corner or safety before we uh, uh, wrap this up. A, a guy, um, I only just uh, he got on my radar a couple weeks ago. Um, watching Maryland, um, Deontay Banks, um, at corner looked really good. I, I'm honestly not yeah. sure where he's being mocked right now. But uh, he jumped out at me because, again, I'm looking at these sort of round three and later guys. He looked good enough. I think he'll go earlier than that. Um, mm-hmm. Makai Blackman's a guy that I have watched a little bit of and liked quite a bit. Um, Sidney Brown, we've talked about. I know you're really high on him. Trey Dean at safety is another guy that I mm-hmm. honestly, you know, every now and then I talk about guys who you're so busy watching prospects, you forget about guys you liked the year before. Um, Trey Dean was a guy that I really enjoyed. I haven't watched a lot of him this year, but last year I watched a lot of him and really liked what I saw. So, all guys, you know, who, who have a chance to help this team. Ronnie Hickman, um, another guy, because, you know, we know how how desperate this team is for help at the safety spot. Yeah, um, I'm glad that you mentioned Sidney Brown because he was probably somebody I was going to bring up if you didn't. Absolutely love Sidney Brown. Um, I know free safety, they have Jordan Whitehead under contract. Rich Samini uh, put out an article predicting that he would not uh, be retained. I think that's just him yeah. speculating compared to his contract. And I think they'll probably keep them around. Maybe they restructure. I know it's, it, you can't just ask all your players to restructure contracts, especially right. coming out of a seven win season when you miss the playoffs. So you're going to have to upgrade a safety. I would prefer a free safety, obviously, but there's so many good names at strong safety. Chris Smith, the second, um, like you mentioned, Sidney Brown, uh, Ronnie Hickman, I guess he's probably more of a strong and free safety from Ohio state. He was another senior bowl guy. Uh, J.L. Skinner, I was a little disappointed in. I felt like they should have put him more at free, but they used him a lot in the box at the Senior Bowl, and he kind of got exposed a little bit. Um, There was another one here. Jay Ward from LSU. uh, I'm not really high on him, but he's somebody that I've seen get buzzed in like that second, third round. Uh, Another Florida State safety, though, Jamie Robinson. uh, He's another guy that I liked. I liked a lot of the Florida State guys down at Senior Bowl. He's listed at 5'10", 194, so – I assume that would be more uh, strong than free, but if the Jets want to go get another safety, I feel like this is probably the draft to do it in that third to fourth range, uh, round range. Excuse me. So, I mean, I, I'm seeing comments here. We need uh, no, gentlemen fixing the defense would be not be the main priority for this draft. Offensive line and receiver. Yeah, we covered that earlier. And talked about and we covered that. Yep, yeah, I was going to say we did. So if you just want to rewind a little bit, you could catch the offensive line. We did touch on running back. I know we'll get more into detail with that next week. Um, any final thoughts on these combine guys? I know we have one more week before it officially starts, so we could do another week of this next week. No, we'll we'll have plenty to cover next week, man. Yep, uh, I'm excited. I mean, hopefully we get quarterback news. I'm going to say it at the end of every show until it happens. We'll be. We'll be ready. We'll be ready. We'll, we're going to have a show as soon as it happens. I don't care. I'll leave work. I'll miss <laughs> half a day's pay. I don't care. If we get a quarterback and it's a big one, I'm I'm doing whatever we can to get on live, get them that night. We'll get you guys uh, covered with our thoughts. We appreciate everybody in the comments. I know as soon as we get to draft talk, this is going to be a pop and chat. Everybody loves to have draft opinions, and we're going to take your opinions into account. Maybe we'll do some mock drafts live on the show and take your opinions into th- account, and, and we'll bounce back and uh, forth ideas. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a long off season. I know it just started this week, even though the Jets have been there for four weeks now. But we're excited. We appreciate you guys sticking with us. You can follow Glenn at AceFan23 on Twitter. Follow his new draft account at JetsPicks, at Jets, P-I-C-K-S. Follow me at 
D Terraman. And you can follow Jet Nation on all social medias, all platforms, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. We appreciate everybody. And until next week, let's go Jets.